Relationships are what matters. You know, when we think about life, we, we can talk about lots of things. We can talk about money. We can talk about work. We can talk about accomplishments and leisure and, and lots of stuff. But, you know, the things that give us the most joy and sometimes the most heartache are our relationships. And yet, there are times when we feel like we mess them up all the time. We look back over our lives and see the same mistakes being made in relationships that really matter. We might even feel like we are failures when it comes to relationships. We need some help. And you know, the thing is, when we look in Scripture, what we find is that over and over, God is concerned with how we relate to one another. Our relationships. Because you see, God knew, in fact, He came to us in relationship right we see that all the way back in the book of genesis where god he's walking in the garden with adam and eve we see it continued throughout the old testament and certainly in jesus as jesus came and he related to people and then offers us a relationship with him so god's concerned about it we're concerned about it and yet we still see that sometimes we fail in relationships so what do we do with that over the next few weeks we're going to be in this series that i'm calling offering and it's how we offer ourselves in relationship what do we offer to other people that can make relationships with them strong and so we're going to think about that how we can offer ourselves in relationships and we're going to be all over the bible thinking about various stories that concern relationships and what we learn from those relationships now here's one thing i do know about relationships for sure if they last very long sometime we're going to be hurt because someone's going to do something and it's going to hurt our feelings. It's going to hurt who we are. They're going to say something. They're going to do something. We're going to do the same thing. And one way or another, grace is going to be required. Relationships require forgiveness. Even when we try our hardest, even when we're at our best, we still say things and do things that hurt other people. And they do the same. And here's the thing. If we don't learn how to forgive, then we get stuck in the hurt. Years ago, I was on church staff, and there was a person who, you know, something happened, and I won't go into all the details, but, but it was a mistake, and, and it hurt his feelings. And in my mind, it was a pretty small mistake, but I went, and I apologized immediately. But, but you know, the sad thing was, we could never get beyond that moment. We were stuck he was hurt and I was hurt because he was hurt over something that to me didn't matter. And it was just in that place we never could get past that. Maybe you've been there. Maybe you're there today. There's a relationship with someone that's stuck in the hurt. Because you or the other person or maybe both of you can't get beyond it. Somewhere there's an inability to forgive, to show grace. So what do we do with that? How do we get past that? You know, for, for some things, it's pretty easy to forgive. And it's especially with people we don't know. You know, I can be in the grocery store, and, and I sort of have a list of rules and etiquette for grocery store shopping. Like, you don't stop your buggy on this side. I know buggy's a southern term, right? Uh, your cart, okay? You don't stop your cart on this side of the aisle and then stand in the middle of the aisle looking for whatever it is you need and block all the traffic both ways. I think some people need to go to school and learn some of my rules, okay? And I get upset about that, but usually by the time I get to the car, all that's forgotten, right? 
But for people I'm close to, man, if I get hurt, it doesn't go away that quick. I hang on to it. It's hard to forgive. You know, forgiveness is something that's real easy to talk about. It's real easy to stand up here and tell you to forgive. It's really easy to sit in, in a room and someone lays out a problem and say, well, you just, you need to forgive them. It's real easy to talk about forgiveness until you actually have to do it, right? It is not easy to do. It's easy to tell someone. It's sometimes even easy to tell ourselves, I need to forgive that person. But it is not easy to do. There's a story of forgiveness in Scripture. I think it's a great story. It goes all the way back to the book of Genesis. We find it in the story of Joseph. Some of you know that story very well. Maybe if you're not familiar with that story, here's the basics. It goes like this. Joseph was one of 12 sons, okay? You can imagine 12 boys don't always get along, and they didn't. Joseph is the favorite son of his father, Jacob, who would really be the father of all of Israel. He was the son of Jacob's favorite wife. There were four mothers of these 12 sons, one father. And Jacob is the son of Je- uh, Joseph is the son of Jacob's favorite wife, Rachel. She had two sons, Joseph and Benjamin. But, but he was also the favorite of God. In fact, God gave him some dreams that showed him that he was greater than his brothers. Well, you can imagine when the brothers heard about that, there was some resentment and jealousy of, of the father's love, of God's love. All this sort of boiled up and, and overflowed. And his ten brothers, excluding Benjamin, because who's still young, throw Joseph in a pit. And they sort of sit around and decide, what are we going to do with him? Should we kill him? Be done with him? But the oldest brother, Reuben, convinces the rest, no, let's just, let's just sell him, because that's better, right? And that's what they did. And they took his robe, his special robe that his father had given him, and they put animal blood on it. And the last time they saw Joseph, he was headed away with the Edomites in the slave caravan. And they gave that robe to their father and let their father sort of draw his own conclusions and assume that he had been mauled by some wild animal. And Joseph is taken into Egypt, and it's a long, involved story in the last 14 chapters of Genesis. In fact, it's one of the great epic stories of Scripture. Read it if you've never read it before. But Joseph is sold into slavery in Egypt, has a great rise, but then another fall ends up in jail in Egypt and is finally rescued because of his ability to interpret dreams. And Pharaoh, king of Egypt, needs a dream interpreted. Joseph interprets it, and he says, listen, here's what it means. There's going to be seven years of plenty. You're going to have all you want, and seven years of famine, and you better prepare for that. And since Joseph sort of has a plan, Pharaoh says, you're going to work the plan. And Pharaoh, Joseph becomes like a, a prime minister of all of Egypt in charge of virtually everything in the land. And so he saves during these years of plenty for the years of want. And the way it turns out is Joseph really leads this effort that saves all of Egypt. But more than that, Joseph saves some of the nations around them because they have the famine too. And people come from all over to Egypt to buy grain just to survive. And that's where we pick up the story again. Because some of those people who came from surrounding nations included Joseph's brothers. 
Now, when they're ushered in, they don't recognize Joseph. He looks like an Egyptian official, and it's been a while, right? And there's a lot of back and forth, and you can read about that as well, going back to get his brother Benjamin and coming back. And, and it all ends up with Joseph standing there, or maybe sitting on a throne, whatever the case may be, with his brothers who don't recognize him in front of him, all of them standing there. And Joseph has a decision to make. These are the guys who sold him in the sla into slavery. He was owned because of these men. They had contemplated killing him. He ended up in an Egyptian prison because of these men. Here is his chance as the most powerful man in Egypt, except the king himself, to take his revenge on his brothers. Well, think about what he could have done, right? Well, he could have had him killed. He had that power. That could have just been the end of it. That's what they deserve, right? Just have him killed. Or he could have had them imprisoned, just like he was. He could have had them sold into slavery again, just like he was. And they probably would have never been heard of again. That would have been the end. He had those choices. Could have had them beaten, tortured, whatever he wanted. Could have sent them home empty-handed and left them to just starve to death. But Joseph didn't do any of that. Here's what we find in Genesis 45, verse 3. He sends everybody out except his brothers. And he begins to weep. And his weeping is so loud that everyone in the palace can hear. Joseph said to his brothers in verse 3, I am Joseph. Is my father still living? But his brothers were not able to answer him because they were terrified at his presence. I bet they were, don't you? I bet they were scared to death. What do we say? What do we do? Is this even Joseph? How is this even possible? Then Joseph said to his brothers, come close to me. And I bet they moved pretty gingerly. When they had done so, he said, I am your brother Joseph the one you sold into Egypt. I'm the one. And they had to wonder what's coming next. What is he going to do to us? What can he do to us? Verse 5. And now do not be distressed <clears throat> and do not be angry with yourselves for selling me here. They had to be glad to, be, to hear those words. Because it was to save lives that God sent me ahead of you. For two years now there has been a famine in the land, and for the next five years there will be no plowing and reaping. But God sent me ahead of you to preserve for you a remnant on earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. Joseph chose grace. Joseph chose forgiveness. He didn't have to. But he's so moved when he sees his brothers, even though they've done all this, because he recognizes that God has used their evil behavior for something powerfully good, to save all of Egypt and to save his own people. Joseph recognizes that there's a price to pay for anger and hatred and holding a grudge. 
And man, there's benefit from grace and forgiveness. And because Joseph is willing to show grace and forgiveness, he does save his own people. He does get to see his father. He gets to be reunited with his brother Benjamin. In fact, with all of his brothers. And he invites them to bring their families. And they survive in Egypt because of Joseph's forgiveness. It's a powerful thing. It's a powerful thing. And there's a lesson in it for us today. Grace allows us to move on from hurt. Grace allows us to move on from hurt. You know, if we hold on to our hurt, we get stuck in that moment. We get stuck in the hurt. But when we forgive, it allows us to move beyond that. It allows us to restore relationships, to work together, to serve together, to love together. But we've got to be willing to pursue grace. Now, with all that said, it's still hard to do. It's always going to be hard to do. Even though we know the benefit, even though you could agree with me and say, yeah, James, you're right. I agree. There's always a benefit to forgiveness. It's always better if you choose to forgive. It's still extremely hard to do, especially when it's something that matters. Most of us aren't going to argue that. We believe what Jesus says over in Luke chapter 6, verse 37. He says, do not judge, and you will not be judged. Do not condemn, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. We believe that God expects us to forgive, but it's still hard. I love this story from the great tennis player, Serena Williams. Maybe some of you are in the midst of watching the U.S. Open this weekend and you've seen her play. But she was recently interviewed because she's a mom, as you can see. And part of the interview involved her reaction to the fact that when her sister was killed in 2003, she had three kids. They were 11, 9, and 5. And the killer was recently released on parole for good behavior. What do you do with that? She says, I couldn't shake it out of my mind. It was hard because all I could think about is her kids and what they meant to me and how much I love them. And she admitted that she needed to forgive because of her faith. She says, no matter what, my sister's not coming back for good behavior. It's unfair that she'll never have an opportunity to hug me. But then she went on. The Bible talks about forgiveness. And the interviewer said, have you forgiven your sister's killer? She says, I'm not there yet. But she also said, I want to teach my daughter. I want to teach my daughter, Olympia, about forgiveness. And then she finished with this. I would like to practice what I preach and teach Olympia that as well. I want to forgive. I have to get there. I'll be there. Maybe you are right where she is today. You know it needs to happen. You know forgiveness would be a better path, and yet you're not there. You've got to be there. You want to be there. You will be there. But you're not today. Three things quickly that I think we can do. First of all, look for the work of God. That's what Joseph did, right? I mean, if we get back to that story, that's exactly what Joseph did. 
He looked for the work of God and he said, listen, don't be angry with yourselves because you sold me into slavery and I ended up being a slave. I ended up in a jail. Don't worry about that because God sent me ahead. And sometimes that's what we have to do. We have to look in our lives and say, man, this was a bad situation. I was hurt. Maybe it was an accident. Maybe it was on purpose. But whatever this person did, God has used it in some way to redeem something about me or my family or who I'm going to be. Look for the work of God. Second, recognize the value of grace. And that's what we've been talking about. It allows us to move on from the hurt. As long as we just hold on to whatever it is happened and relive it over and over again, and that's so easy to do, we see the face, we hear the words, we see what they did, and we just play that. Rewind, play. Rewind, play. When we do that, it makes it impossible. Instead, we've got to think, where does forgiveness, where does grace take me? What's going to be better if I forgive? What relationship is going to benefit? Maybe the one with the person who hurt us. Maybe every relationship in our lives because we're going to be better people. Maybe there's an example there. There is something going on that will be better because we choose grace over unforgiveness. And then finally, choose to extend grace. Now, why do I say that? Because it's a choice. You may not... I may not feel like forgiving. We may not ever feel like forgiving. And in the face of that, what we have to do is choose to forgive. And it is a choice. We have to make the decision, the conscious decision, I am going to forgive this person. And it may take some time. It's not going to be easy. But when we make that conscious choice, we start down the right road. We start down the road of forgiveness that allows us to quit being stuck on the hurt. Now, I wish I could stand up here and say something that would make forgiveness easy this morning. But there's nothing I could say. If you've really been hurt, there is nothing I can say that'll make forgiveness easy. But it will always be better if you do. Grace and forgiveness follow the example of God. God could have chosen not to forgive me, and he'd have been right. But instead, he chose to offer me grace that I didn't deserve, that I'll never deserve. And it is so much better for me. And I think what God expresses in Scripture is that even though the price was terribly high, it was better for him too. Let's pray together. God, it's hard to forgive. But you already know that. Because you forgave us. So God, we pray today for forgiveness. We ask that you forgive us. But we also ask that you give us the strength we need to forgive the people who've hurt us. We know it's, it's following your example. We know it's being your people, but we still struggle. So help us out. Pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.